This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the March 22nd episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, the Sweet 16 episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. I'm going to break down my best bet for all eight Sweet 16 games. But first, the current era of Atlanta Falcons football is officially over. I made a video earlier today on Twitter, but it bears repeating I still haven't recovered. It's going to take me a little while. I don't know if I ever will until maybe sometime next year. But the Falcons have traded away Matt Ryan. While it's upsetting, it was definitely the right move after they just fucked the relationship with the greatest Falcons quarterback in the history of the franchise. And they fucked it by going after a troubled player, to say say the least, Listen, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is clearly talented. And I'm a, I'm generally a very big innocent until proven guilty kind of guy. It's hard to look past 22 women. That's not good. I did not want to have to cheer for Deshaun Watson. I don't know why the Falcons went after him when the quarterback position was the one position on the team that we didn't need. Why would you ruin your relationship with the greatest Falcon to ever put on the uniform outside maybe Deion Sanders, arguably Julio Jones. Greatest quarterback for sure. Why would you ruin that relationship with him, ruin the relationship with your fan base, just to trade for a troubled at best quarterback that could still be suspended for next season? The Falcons have made a ton of dumb moves in my history as a fan, but that was by far the stupidest. Now, thankfully, like I said, Deshaun Watson went to Cleveland because that would have put me in a predicament. Once again, listen, I'm not a I'm not a stand on my soapbox and point my fingers at people. I'm not a I'm not a big time moralist, but it'd be tough for me to cheer for Deshaun Watson. Real tough. So thankfully they did trade Matt Ryan. I say thankfully because obviously they ruined that relationship with him. And I would like to see Matt Ryan 
get another chance at a Super Bowl victory, and he was not going to get that chance with the Falcons. Falcons are, are years away from even going back to the playoffs. So now he will go to a team that really has everything except for a quarterback. Now maybe the Colts' receiving core isn't the best receiving core of all time, but at least he has a shot. So good for Matt Ryan. Thank you to Matt Ryan for all the years of success so close to a Super Bowl victory. Probably my favorite NFL player of all time. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. I think if you think he's definitely not, then I think you just haven't paid attention to Falcons football. I don't think the media in my time as a fan has covered the Falcons as much as they've covered other teams. They're not exactly the sexiest team in the world. Matt Ryan might be arguably one of the most boring personalities of all time. But you look at you look you look at his numbers and they stack up with Hall of Famers, so you could say maybe he's not. But for the people who say he's definitely not a Hall of Famer, that's just blasphemy. MVP, Super Bowl, playoff wins, best quarterback in the franchise history. Shout out to Matt Ryan. Tough day. Tough day to be a Falcons fan, but we move onward. I guess the, this officially ends the previous era. Uh, we, we're we going to struggle to win next year. <laughs> we traded for... Um, or traded or signed. I don't know. We got Marcus Mariota today. Um, ah, tough to get excited about that signing. I don't know if we're going to end up going quarterback now with the eighth overall pick. I don't know if we're going to wait till next season and just try to give Marcus Mariota a run. Tough time. It's a, it's a, you know what, you know what this, you know what the feeling I'm feeling right now is, um, last time I felt like this was when Bobby Petrino left a written note in the locker room and then just abandoned the Falcons. When was that? 2000. That was right before they drafted Matt Ryan, so 2007. That This is the first time since then that I've felt this way about the Falcons. I've been down on them quite a bit in the past, but this is, this is, this is, this is rock bottom. Nowhere to go but up. But, like I said, sad, sad, sad day to be a Falcons fan. Uh, but yes, on this episode of the podcast, like I said, I'm going to break down my picks for the eight Sweet 16 games. If you've been following along, you know kind of how this tournament has gone for me so far. Um, I had a disastrous day of betting on the f- uh, in, in the, the first day of the opening round. Now, I have recovered a little bit. Um, I am transparent. If there's one thing, I am transparent. So when I win bets and I'm up money, I will let you know. And when I my record is not good, I will be honest about it. So heading into the Sweet 16 in March Madness, I'm 23-28-1 for minus 5.45 units. Not happy, especially with how my March Madness betting went last year. First day was rough. I have recovered from the first day because I was like down 10 units after the first day. So I have recovered a little bit. I still have time to get back into the green by the end of the tournament. Um, I still have a lot of money on Arizona to win the national championship. I have a little bit of money on Villanova. They're both still in it. I sprinkled a little bit money tonight on Houston as a little hedge in this uh, game against Arizona in the Sweet 16. So I I, I still have time. But uh, the very first day, and it's just, it, it was frustrating, because obviously, I mean, you guys know, if you listen to the podcast last week, I, I, I don't just throw darts at a board. I study, I take time out of my day to research, I write notes, and for the first day to go 4-12, and 12, that hurt. <laughs> that was tough. That was a tough pill to swallow, but that's sports betting, baby. I'm not going to have winning days every single day. I'm not a professional better and never claim to be. Generally, I come out profitable in most things. Um, and generally, I guess, I, I think kind of my main 
positive as a better is, is I very rarely have days like that. Very rarely. I might have losing days, but I very rarely have disastrous days. That was the first disastrous day I've had in a while. Uh, especially because I started 2-0. I hit my first two bets on Thursday of the first round, and then I finished the day on a 2-12 run, <laughs> which is almost impossible to do. Truly, it, it hurt my soul. It really did. But I recovered, had a pretty good uh, Friday, had a 4-4 four and four Saturday, and then followed it up with a pretty good Sunday as well. So I fought back a little bit. We're down, like I said, 5.45 units. We still have time to recover. Um, and I like I like the Sweet, sweet 16 board. Uh, last thing I want to get into, this is not going to be a long podcast. Like I said, I only have eight minutes uh, uh, to kind of break it down. Uh, WGC Dell Match Play, the PGA Tour event this week. It's my favorite tournament to bet on. It's match play. I love betting on match play. I did very well in this tournament last year. I looked it up. I finished up over 14 units betting on it last year. Hopefully, I'll have the same success. Um, I was going to talk about it on this podcast, but two things. One, I talked about it earlier on a bet-sided show with Cody Williams from Fansided, so check that out. Just check my Twitter timeline. Uh, It's on YouTube as well, um, where we kind of break it down a little bit. But also, I'm recording this Monday night, and there aren't as many odds out as I was hoping for, um, even the ones we were talking about the, on the video. I had to cite odds from a site that I don't use, so I haven't locked in my personal bets yet. I don't want to give out any bets on the show that I haven't already completely locked in, um, but I do give out some tips in the video about how to bet it. I also wrote an article at, at BetSided, which is my full breakdown for the event, um, and I'm also doing a bracket pool. Check my timeline for that if you want to enter a bracket pool. It's $10, winner takes all, enter the pool, Venmo me or cash at me $10 in the memo of the cash app or Venmo. Just tell me what the name of your bracket is and you'll be entered. Winner takes all. We already have a, a pretty good solid amount of entries actually already more than I thought, um, which is take, <laughs> it's kind of time consuming to record everyone who, who's submitting them, but it's fun. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited for that. I'm going to lose because this is a very tough bracket to call, but I'm, I'm excited to follow along. Like I said, it's only 10 bucks. If you want to enter, just go over my Twitter timeline, scroll through it. I tweeted out the, the link to enter. Um, then just Venmo me 10 bucks. Winner takes all. No second place, no third place, just winner takes all. Obviously, there's going to be, I assume there's going to be a couple of entries uh, where I'm not going to get the money from that person, and I just won't count those entries. I have a little Google sheet where I, I've kept track of everyone who has paid. So, uh, yeah, the winner will get all of it. I will not profit anything from this unless I win it which would be kind of kind of ironic if I'm just <laughs> hosting this bracket and I just win it and keep all your money. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Let's get into uh, my best bet for all eight games. Yeah, let's do it. It is the Sweet 16, the March 22nd episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Let's go. No, Lisa. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Okay, let's get into it. We're going to start with the Gonzaga-Arkansas game on Thursday night. I will say I'm especially nervous about this game. Me and my big fat mouth on the bet-sided live stream last week after Peter Dewey told us that he had Arkansas in the Final Four. I had to just, I couldn't just keep my mouth shut. And I laughed and said if Arkansas makes the Final Four, I will get a Razorback tattoo. 
I am a man of my word. I will do it if that happens. I was pretty confident that uh, Vermont Catamounts are going to beat them in the opening round. They almost did. And then Arkansas struggled against, who was it, New Mexico State in the second round. So back-to-back games against small schools, and they barely escaped both. So I'm a little nervous, but at the same time, it's going to be very tough for them to beat this Gonzaga team. Part of me wants to kind of hedge on the tattoo bet by taking Arkansas plus 9. I can't do it, though. I will be taking Gonzaga minus 9 here. You can't beat Gonzaga down low. That's what kind of both teams have shown that Gonzaga has played. Memphis, I actually think, was one of the toughest stylistic matchups for Gonzaga in this entire tournament. I wasn't too surprised that they gave them a run for their money. That being said, I was on Gonzaga to cover in that game. I don't know why. That was a dumb bet. I regret that one. Uh, Memphis did kind of match up with them stylistically well. Arkansas does not. Uh, Gonzaga is first in opponent two-point field goal percentage. So you have to... um, you have to beat them on the perimeter. You have to be able to shoot the three ball well to beat this Gonzaga team. And Arkansas is 313th in three-point field goal percentage. Hitting uh, at a rate of just 30.5% from beyond the arc and only 236 over their last three games. So Arkansas, not a good three-point shooting team. They have to try to beat Gonzaga down low. And they're just, the Gonzaga forwards are just too good. Um... Gonzaga also obviously first in effective field goal percentage. They are now the best shooting team in the country. Arkansas in general, not good. 237th. I think we are getting a little bit of value on Gonzaga here because they did kind of underperform in their first two rounds. One of the biggest stinger bets that I lost in the opening day was against Georgia State, who hit a meaningless shot uh, at the end of the game to get the backdoor cover. Uh, I think Gonzaga is going to cover here for the first time this tournament. I will say... And I'm not going to use this as, as an excuse because gambler giveth, gambler taketh away these things in the long run, even though. But this tournament, it seems like every game that has had a meaningless last-second basket has gone against me. Georgia State against Gonzaga, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Both Michigan State games did. Um, Michigan State against, who was it in the opening round? Davidson. They scored a, a, bas- a meaningless three with half a second left to push. Michigan State then got outscored by Duke, like 12 to 2, in like the last minute for Duke to, to cover right at the end. Um, what are some other ones? What was the one that just happened yesterday? I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on this, but it feels like a lot of meaningless last second shots have kind of gone against me this tournament. But whatever. That's, that's the way it's going to go sometimes. Gonzaga minus 9 against Arkansas. Arkansas. Michigan against Villanova. Going to take Michigan plus five here. I said this heading into the tournament. I gave this out. I don't know if it was on this show or if it was on one of the bet-sided shows. But Michigan was a sneaky, sneaky, very long shot bet to win this tournament. Because I know they're an 11 seed, but they they have the talent of a top four seed. If you remember at the start of the at the start of the season, they were like fourth, like in fourth, fifth, sixth in people's power rankings to win it all. Yes, they underperformed, but they're still the same guys. They're a very talented team. And where they struggled all season was defensively, but they played much better defense as of late. So, are they going to win this game? I don't know, but I will take the five points. I think people are still just seeing that they're an 11 seed and kind of underestimating them. But this is this this Michigan's looking good. But this does kind of bring up the argument of I don't know about the, it's not an argument. It's the tricky part about betting on March Madness is. Do you want to just try to ride the hot hand, the team that has looked good in recent games, or do you want to trust season-long numbers? And that's a thing that I still debate with myself about, that I still haven't 
completely figured out yet. I remember last year, Oregon State is an example of a team. If you could have kept just betting on them as the hot team and ignored season-long numbers, you would have made a lot of money. I didn't do that. I kept betting against them, and I lost money on Oregon State last year. But in the second round this year, I bet on Richmond, even though the season-long numbers told me to back um, Providence. I bet on Richmond, thinking they were the hot hand, thinking they were this year's Oregon State, and they got blown out. So I, I don't know if there is a right or wrong answer, but it's, it is it is one thing about March Madness to consider. If you want to ride the hot hand here, you have to kind of go have to go, uh, go Michigan. Even see some of their season-long numbers even better than Villanova. 65th in effective field goal percentage compared to Villanova at 77th. Michigan is also, I think, a good stylistic matchup here. 59th in two-point shot rate. Villanova 133 in opponent two-point field goal percentage. And then we all know Villanova's three-point shooting team. And Michigan's 114th in opponent three-point field goal percentage. So they got the talent and ability to keep this close. Villanova, with these three-point shooting teams, it's it's all just going to come down to how hot they are from three. If they have a bad three-point shooting team, they'll lose, and they'll lose handedly. If they have a good three-point shooting uh, game, it's going to be it's going to be tough to hang with them. So, in a game, I think it's going to be close. I'd feel a lot more comfortable taking the taking the team that's getting five points. So I'll take Michigan plus five against Villanova. Moving on to Texas Tech and Duke. So in my bracket, I actually have Duke moving on here, and I actually think I had Notre Dame beating Texas Tech, to be fair. That would have been sweet, by the way. Um, but I got in a conversation with someone on Twitter, and I forget who it was. I wish I remember who it was to give him a shout-out, but we were talking about this tech, potential Texas Tech versus Duke matchup, and it's before the tournament started, and I said that I would be on Duke because I think it's a good buy-low spot. I think they're being underrated, um, and I can't trust Texas Tech because of their turnovers, which... Is a received reason I've been citing all see, all kind of uh, March Madness that I've been betting against Texas Tech because of the turnovers. But whoever it was brought up a good point that I hadn't have thought of and I should have. Duke's biggest weakness is not being able to force turnovers. And that person's right. Th- a 311th in opponent turnovers per possession. Texas Tech is 284th in turnovers. But if you're 311th in opponent turnovers, like it's it's going to be hard for Duke to capitalize on Texas Tech's biggest weakness. So with that being said, even though I'm in my bracket I have Duke winning this game, I'm going to take Texas Tech to cover the one-point spread. Texas Tech minus one. Like I said, I mean, they're not a good free-throw shooting team, and they turn the ball over a lot, and that's going to cost them before they win. The, they're not going to win the national championship, at least I don't think so. But Duke doesn't force turnovers. It's kind of it's kind of hard to bet on them for that reason. I think you kind of have to f- make Texas Tech cough up the ball if you're going to beat them, and they and they're just not good at doing that. So, because of that, I will take Texas Tech minus one. Uh, Houston against Arizona. I think this is. I think this is a game between the two best teams in the country. Maybe that's a hot take. Houston's what a five seed. I think this might be a game between the two best teams in the country. So I've done two things to hedge because I've. I have more than a unit on Arizona. I'm not going to say how much. I have more than a unit on Arizona to win the national championship. So I'm hedging two ways. One, I'm taking Houston in this game, money line plus 105. I also sprinkled them to just win the national championship at 10 to 1. Because I think if they, I think the winner of this game wins the national championship. I really do. Houston is so good everywhere. All season long. And there's times when I was saying there's three teams that ranked in the top 10 in offensive and defense efficiency, Arizona, Gonzaga. And for a while, it was Houston. By the end of the year, they dropped out of the top 10 in offensive efficiency. 
but it was always in my mind always kind of Gonzaga, Arizona, and Houston. Um, obviously, Arizona has had the tougher competition. So even though a lot of the numbers are similar, you could say Arizona is still better, and I still think that's probably generally true. Um, but Houston, uh, Houston's there's no doubt how good Houston is, how good they are. So just smothering on defense. They're extremely well coached. Uh, but the big reason why I'm taking Houston in this game, why I swayed the opposite way, is Arizona's turnovers are becoming a very real issue. And I actually think I said at the start of the tournament that when they lose, they run into turnover issues. Well, the first two games of of the tournament, even though they won, they ran into turnover issues. They turned the ball over 19 times against fucking Wright State. And then they turned the ball over 16 times against TCU, which, holy shit, was that game electric. I thought Arizona was going to win by a million. I plan on going to bed early. I actually went to bed when they were up like 8 or 9 with like... Uh, what was it, like eight minutes left? And then with like five minutes left, I looked at the score and saw the TCU retook the lead, like went on a 12-0 run. So I was like, oh, shit. Had to get out of bed, go back to the living room, turn on the TV and watch the rest of it. And I'm glad I did because it was electric. Uh, but my futures almost went up in flames to the goddamn horned frogs right in front of my eyes. Thankfully, Arizona pulled it off, though, but their turnovers concerns me. And neither of those two teams that they played against Wright State or TCU are necessarily known for forcing turnovers. And now they face a Houston team that is known for forcing turnovers. 30th in opponent turnovers per possession. So, long story short, I do think Arizona is the better team. But I don't know if it's the age of their players or their young coach, but their turnovers have become an issue. And if they turn the ball over 19 or 16 times against Houston, they will not win. So figure out your turnover issues or you're going home. So because of that big reason and because I am very invested in Arizona futures, I'll take Houston plus 105 against Arizona on the money line on Thursday night. Uh, But that's the last game uh, for Thursday. Quick break here. You may or may not hear an ad. I'll be back to break down Friday's games. Okay, let's get into Friday's games here, starting off with Purdue and St. Mary's. Listen, I don't have a ton of numbers to back up this bet. I have to go with Purdue here. My evaluation and how I kind of look at these deep-seated teams that make runs is that they have to play their A-plus game night after night, game after game. So if you look at every single team in the country, or really any sport, they have a certain ceiling and a certain floor because teams do just have good games. Teams have bad games. So if you evaluate them based on a letter grade for a team that is clearly not as talented or as skilled as, you know, a power conference team, St. Peter's, a school like St. Peter's needs to play an A, A-plus game, and they need to hope that their opponent plays at least a C-level game. That's their only chance of winning. So that's what happened in the, in the first night against Kentucky. St. Peter's played the best possible game that a team of that skill level can play. A-plus game, and credit to them for doing so. Kentucky played a C game. That was a well-below-average game for Kentucky. That was like a C, C-minus game for Kentucky. And as a result, St. Peter's was to pull off up the upset as an 18.5-point underdog. The next round was a little different. St. Peter's playing a Murray State, which is another small school. Now, I, I would say more talented, more skilled small school. But St. Peter's probably had a B-plus game, and Murray State probably had like a C game which was good enough for them to get the win. 
But now they're taking on Purdue, a team that is fourth in the country in effective field goal percentage, St. Peter's 263rd. One of the preseason favorites to win the national championship. They now need to have what happened in the first round. is For St. Peter's to even hang in this game, for them to have a shot, they need to have yet another A-plus game, and they need to hope Purdue has at least a C-plus game. At least. St. Peter's could play an A-plus game, and Purdue could have a B game, and Purdue will still win, is kind of my point. Am I saying it's impossible? No. But that's why these deep-seated teams never win the national championship. And usually the runs fall right around now, Sweet 16 or, or Elite 8. No, no, two other 15 seeds have made the sweet, sweet, sweet 16. Both of them lost this weekend. And another thing, with it being a weekend later or a week later, the momentum you kind of built up that you can kind of go carry it from the first round to the second round, it's kind of hard to then regain that momentum after a week-long break. It just is. In order for a team, a deep-seated team to win the national championship, they need to have six A-plus games in a row and run into opponents that have bad nights six nights in a row. It just doesn't happen. Is it impossible? No, literally nothing's impossible. But it's very, very, very unlikely. Like I said, and it's it makes it even tougher when you don't have that kind of momentum from a couple of days earlier. So I think St. Peter's gets their goddamn doors kicked in this week let's let's not forget they weren't even the best team in their in their conference the metro atlantic or metro athletic at, i don't know if it is it athletic or atlantic i don't know which a comes first but it was iona was the best team in that conference and they blew it in the in the in the, in the conference tournament st peter's team 263rd in effective field goal percentage near the bottom of the country in turnovers Purdue should be able to shoot the lights out against them. I think Purdue wins by 20-plus points. I truly do think that. Now, with that being said, I will gladly be wrong. And I feel this way every... I would throw my brackets in the trash. I will lose every bet I place if it means a 15-seed wins the national championship. Because though that would be worth the story. So I'm willing to be wrong about this. I would love to see St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. That would be unbelievably crazy. I don't see it happening, though. But shout out, to, shout out to the Peacocks. Fantastic run. Unfortunately for them, they're running into one of the best shooting teams in the country right now. So I'll go Purdue, minus 12.5 against St. Peter's. Uh, Providence, Kansas. Um, I bet against Providence in the second round. And I bet bet against them once, try to ride, ride the hot hand with Richmond. And I got Providence fans in my DMs, like, trashing me. It's like, guys, I've been on your side all season. <laughs> I bet on you in the first round. I bet on you in the first round against, um, who'd they beat in the first round? Everyone thought was going to beat them. South Dakota State? I was on Providence. I've been defending you all season that you aren't as big of frauds as people say. And then I bet against you once and I got just people jumping down my throat. So come on, Providence fans, give me a break here. I'll back you again here. I think seven and a half is too many points. I, I think the spread is set pretty close. I would settle that six, so I think we're getting about a point and a half of value here, in my opinion. A big thing is Kansas, 79th and two-point shot rate. They're going to shoot it down low. Providence is a pretty good interior defense, 61st and opponent two-point field goal percentage. Also, don't forget, Providence beat Texas Tech this year, 72-68. So if you want to look at the conference competition level, I mean, Providence has already beat Texas Tech, which was Kansas's biggest Pig 12 competition, so... I think they at least keep it close. I think Kansas does win this game, 
but I think seven and a half is a little too aggressive of a line. I'll take the Friars to cover. Uh, UNC UCLA UNC is like is basically Michigan. Very similar story. A talented team that is very good offensively, very good in a lot of areas. Struggled defensively all year, but now their defense has stepped it up. So their opponent average shooting percentage of the season is 42.8%, but over their last three games, that number has dropped to 37.4. So they are turning it up on defense. And now that defense, that defensive success should continue against a UCLA team who really has struggled shooting the ball this year, 146th in effective field goal percentage. And that's especially the case because UCLA keeps the majority of its offense down low there in interior offense ranking 48th in two-point shot rate, and that's going to play right into UNC strength. I love Brady Manic, Manic Mania. The, re- the reason why they kind of blew that lead against Baylor was because he got ejected. He's obviously back. I think this game is one of the most intriguing matchups of the entire Sweet 16 round. I will take the two points. I'm tempted to take money line, but I honestly think this is going to be like a last possession game. So I'll, I'll, I'll feel comfortable, I think, late in the game having the two points. Or at least I feel more. I will feel more comfortable than I would if I was on uh, UNC Moneyline. So I'm going to take UNC plus two. Finally, last game, Miami-Iowa State. I bet against Miami the first two rounds lost both. It was very interesting because, I mean, what do we got? Horns and sirens going on outside. Love it. Love New York City. Um... Miami, in the first two games, had a stylistic disadvantage, but they still managed to win those games. Now they actually have a stylistic advantage, I believe, against Iowa State. Miami has really cranked up its two-point shot rate. 64.8% of their shots throughout the entire season come from down low, but over their last three games, that's been bumped up almost 10% to 73.4%. So they are now really focusing on keeping their offense down inside the interior. And that is exactly where Iowa State is vulnerable. Iowa State, one of the best perimeter defenses in the country, but they are 218th in opponent, two-point field goal percentage. So I think Miami is actually going to be able to attack them down low. They're also just overall a better shooting team than Iowa State, 30th in effective field goal percentage. Iowa State's 205th. And this might be the first game that Miami can at least hang with teams in rebounding. They've been out-rebounded. Actually, did they get out-rebounded against Auburn? I assume they did, but I might be wrong. Because Miami's generally not a good rebounding team, like one of the worst in the country. Um, And I know they got out-rebounded by quite a bit against USC. But I actually didn't look at the rebounding numbers in their blowout win against um, Auburn. Uh, Yeah, they did. They got out-rebounded by 8 Offensive rebounds 17 to 6. Auburn just could not hit the ocean from a boat in that game, and Miami shot almost 50%. So, watch out for this Miami team, man. A good shooting team. 30th in effective field goal percentage, Iowa State 205th. I think Miami's going to win this game, and I think they're going to cover, and I think they're going to I think they're going to do it by ease. I would say this would be my favorite bet of this round. But then again, I bet against them in two previous games, so I might just have a bad feel on Miami. Maybe I'm I'm on them this time, and I shouldn't be. But I will take Miami minus 2.5. So there you go. Quick little recap here on my picks. Gonzaga minus 9. Michigan plus 5. Texas Tech minus 1. Houston Moneyline plus 105. Purdue minus 12.5. Providence plus 7.5. UNC plus 2. Miami minus 2.5. Best luck with whatever you do in the Sweet 16, whether you bet with me, against me, whatever you do. 
Good luck with all your bets. And I'll talk to you next week when it's the final four. And also, for my Elite Eight picks, I will have them out uh, probably Saturday morning. I'll just tweet them out. Um, But yeah, I'll talk to you next week when you have the final four set. And Masters, just a couple weeks away as well. So exciting time in sports. Uh, NHL playoffs coming up soon as well. Uh, Love you all. Talk to you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.